For those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Lizzie. Um, I have been part of KCC now for 15 years and working for the church for 11. Uh, so it's great to, to be part of this church. It's great to be up here this morning. And um, just want to lay out the fact that I might cry. I am a crier. Like, I cry easily. Okay, it's just because it means something. So uh, just so you're aware, I'll try and carry on through any crying that happens. Um, so this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at... Uh, the passage of John 21 of Jesus eating with his disciples on the beach after he is risen from the dead. But before that, I want to go over the backstory of Peter and his life and what he experienced. And um, a fact about me is that I really like to watch films twice. Uh, I have some friends who hate it. They like watch a film once and that is it. They are done, can never see it again. They know the story. Why would they bother watching it again? But I quite like it. Uh, I quite like watching trilogies. One I like is Harry Potter. I'll put it on the background as I'm doing other things. And I like the fact that you know the story. You know how it's going to end. You know what's going to happen. And usually that the good guys win and then there's a happy ending at the end. And there's a comfort in knowing what's going to happen. And when we read the Bible, we can sort of have that idea of, like, we know the end. We know how it's all going to work out. And it's quite interesting to think the people that we're reading about are living their life. They don't know what's going to happen at the end of it. It's quite interesting to think about. So, the backstory of Peter. Um, <laughs> In John 1.42, we can read about the fact that uh, Jesus changed Simon's name. His original name was Simon, and Jesus gave him the name of Cephas, which translates to Peter. And Cephas is an Aramaic name, meaning rock. And in different parts of the Bible, we see that Jesus changes people's names to indicate their special calling. From Abraham to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah, from Jacob to Israel... And they've only just met, but God knows the plans that he has for Peter at this point, which is quite amazing. And in Luke 5, we can read more of how Jesus called uh, Peter. Um, so Jesus is preaching by the lake to a large crowd, and the crowd are sort of pushing in on him. And so he decides to step back into a boat, and it happens to be Simon's boat. And they set off a little bit from the shore, and Jesus sat down and sits down and preaches to the crowd. And as Jesus finishes, he says to Peter, let's go back out into the lake and cast out our nets. And Peter says to him, but we've been out fishing all night and caught absolutely nothing. But as you, because you say, I will let down the nets. So they go out, they put down the nets, and then they catch so much fish that they're struggling to haul it in. And another boat has to come out and help them haul it in. And they're so astonished that when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Now, fast forward quite a bit. A lot has happened. They've spent a couple of years together. They've seen a lot of Jesus' miracles. And in John 13, we can read that it's just before the Passover, fest, the Passover feast. Jesus is with his disciples. He's just washed their feet and he's speaking with them and saying that he will be going soon. And Peter says to him, Lord, 
Why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. A couple of chapters after that, in John 18, we read that Jesus has been arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Simon and Peter and another disciple follow Jesus and they follow him into the courtyard of the high priest. And there's a group of people who are stood around a charcoal fire warming their hands and there Peter is asked, don't you know Jesus? Weren't you one of his disciples? Weren't you with him in the garden of Gethsemane? And three times he denies knowing Jesus. And the rooster crows and Peter weeps. So all of that has happened, and we now get to today's Bible passage uh, from John 21, which I'm going to read now. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. Other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that we've just caught. So Simon went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so did the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So at this point in the story, um, Jesus has appeared to the disciples a couple of times already. Uh, They've left Jerusalem, they've traveled back uh, to Galilee and uh, they've returned to something familiar to them. Um, They were fishermen before, so they've returned to that. And I hope you've already seen the similarities that there are between this story and the one that I read right or told you about right at the start. Um, And again, we know what happens, but they were living it. Can you imagine being in a boat all night, all night and catching absolutely nothing? They're fishermen, they know what they're doing, but they're out all night and they catch absolutely nothing. And then Jesus says to cast it on the other side. And sometimes you might think, they might have thought like, why? We know what we're doing, why would we do that? But they just follow what he says and they do it and they have so many fish that they're struggling to haul it in. Um, and the disciple John like, sees this and he knows that it's Jesus and Peter jumps into the sea to, to get to him. 
And it strikes me that Jesus is really well-planned in this encounter. Like, he knows where the disciples are. He knows that they've gone fishing. He knows what time to turn up. And there's, like, the history of friendship here in that he knows how to reveal himself to his friends. He knows, like, what they know, their history together, and he shows himself in that way. It's just amazing. And he also is just well-planned with the food. Like, the fire is already lit. The fish is on it, the bread is there, and they're going to eat. It's such a show of friendship and relationship, eating together, and it's amazing to see. And the topic of uh, today's preach is restoration of relationship and calling. And in the dictionary, the meaning of restoration is the action of returning something to a former owner, condition, or place. And it is exactly what Jesus does in this passage to Peter. I'm going to um, carry on reading uh, from verse nine, 15 to 19. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this to him, he said, follow me. So after, after eating, after sharing this meal together, uh, Jesus comes back to what I've phrased the elephant in the room. Um, I wonder if Peter had been thinking about this the entire time, as he'd watched his friend die, as he'd had those days where they didn't know what was happening, as he'd met Jesus a couple of times before, maybe as he'd travelled from Jerusalem to Galilee, or as he'd been in that boat that night trying to catch some fish, if he'd just been thinking all the time about the fact that he had denied his friend, his, his Jesus. And even in that morning as he'd swum and got to the shore and seen a charcoal fire which was very similar to the charcoal fire he was warming his hands on as he'd denied Jesus in the first place. It's so often that we can um, be reminded of our sins and our past failings and it's such a shameful place to be but Peter says, Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And on the third time, you know everything, you know that I love you. Reading about Peter can be a little bit like uh, watching a film for the second time. Our individual lives can look like Peter's. And it's comforting because we know the end. We too have been called by Jesus. We too have denied him. We too can and have been restored to Jesus. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. To be restored to God, we repent from what we've done. We say sorrow, we turn away from it, and we come back to Jesus. 
But let me tell you that Jesus' part in restoring us has been far less simple. And he did it because of his love for you and me. From Philippians 2, 5 to 8. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He left glory behind to be born as a human among us. He lived a perfect, sinless life that we couldn't, and he endured the agony of death on a cross. And in Isaiah 53, verse 5, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his wounds we are healed. All like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Earlier I read that um, restoration is returning something to a former owner, condition or place. We have been restored by Jesus, by what he did for us on the cross. We have been redeemed and reconciled. We have gone from enemies of God to friends. We have gone from slaves to sin to children of God. We have gone from orphans to daughters and sons. God is our father. We have been made clean and righteous. Our chains have been broken. We are free from sin. We have been given new life, made a new creation. We have complete forgiveness in Christ. We are co-heirs with Christ. Death has been defeated. We too will be raised to life and we will spend eternity with him. He, we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. He makes his home with us. He dwells with us every day and we are never alone. Isn't it amazing what God has done for us? We can read it and make it such a small thing, but actually, like if we dwell on each individual part of what God, of what Jesus dying on the cross did for us, it's an incredible thing that God has done to restore us to him. We know the ending of our stories. We may not know every page, every chapter in between of our lives, especially here on earth. We don't know what's going to happen day to day, and, and that can be quite worrying, but we know the ending. We know that we've been called. We know that we've been chosen. We know that we've been restored to God, and he will never leave us. We are so safe and so held by God. A few weeks ago, um, Emma and I were on a holiday. Uh, we went to Hearn Bay, and there's this pier. Um, there might be a picture come up on the screen. Um, it's a really long pier, stretches out into sea, and then there's this massive gap and another bit of pier. And this gap was created by, apparently, a fire, some dismantling in World War II, and a couple of storms. And there's this massive gap. And as uh, I was looking at it, I just feel like this morning, like some of us feel like we are that far away from God. Uh, yeah, you can see like on the picture, the, the far on the left, that is the, that is the connection of the pier. And there's a second picture that shows like a bit more of it. But um, sort of crazy how long that gap is. But yeah, I feel like this morning, some of us can feel like we're that far away from God. Uh, this could be because of questions we have 
unanswered prayer, heartache, disappointments, or even just life happens and before we know it and we look back and we realise just we've drifted a bit and our relationship with God has cooled. Many things can make us feel this way and we have all experienced it at different points in our lives so none of us are alone in that. But I just want to say that the distance that we feel from God is only ever on our side. His faithfulness towards us doesn't change in our changing circumstances. So at the end of this passage, in verse 19, um, Jesus says to Peter, follow me. Uh, We heard right at the start that uh, Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter, meaning rock. Uh, And in Matthew 16, Jesus is asking his disciples, who do the people say that I am and who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Right at the start, before anything had happened, Jesus changed Simon's name. Before anything had happened, the good, the bad, God knew what he was calling Peter to do, and he with the other disciples would share the gospel and start the church that's still going strong today. Peter's mess-ups, Peter denying Jesus, didn't disqualify him from what God had called him to do. After restoring Peter, Jesus asked Peter again to follow him. Our mess-ups, our failures, do not disqualify us from what God is calling us to do. Jesus knew when he called us, he knew what would happen. He knew what he was calling us to do. He knew that we'd mess up. He knew that we'd fall short. And he's still asking us to come back, to repent, to be restored and to follow him again. He's asking, uh, uh, he's asking us to bring others into this relationship of being restored to God. We're not done yet. So at this point, I want to invite Uh, Caroline up to play some music in the background we're coming to the end Um, I want to come back to the picture of the pier Uh, I feel like some of us uh, this morning may be feeling distant from God and I want to provide some space for us to chat to God about why this is he wants to draw you in this morning and he wants to show you how close he is he has restored you and there is nothing that can separate you from his love. So just chat to God this morning, process with him like why you're feeling distant and just lay it down again at his feet. He loves you so much that he has done so much to restore you to him. I also feel like some of us may have eased off the acceleration pedal. You know what God's asking of you, but you're holding back. Maybe we've been reminded of our past and of our mess ups. But Jesus is calling us to repentance, to restoration, to follow him again. Your mess-ups don't disqualify you, and he's not alone. Your mess-ups don't disqualify you. He's not done with you yet. So I just want to give some time for us to think, to pray with God, to pray with him if you're in either one of those camps, or just to thank God for your, for your restoration to him. We'll just spend a few minutes, and then I'll pray at the end. Yeah, Lord, just thank you for the the truth that we've 
heard this morning from your word. Lord, thank you that you have restored us. Lord, thank you that you have done an amazing work in bringing us back to you. Lord, thank you that you've called us. Lord, thank you that you knew even then what was going to happen, what we were going to do in our lives. And Lord, thank you that you've made a way back to you. Lord, I just pray this morning for any of us that are feeling distant with you, whether it's disappointments or just things that we're holding on to. Lord, I pray that you would help us to to lay it down at your feet. Lord, to help us to just see your view on things, your perspective, your what your plan is for our lives. Lord, thank you that you have restored us and, and you call us back to following you again. And Lord, I just pray that each of us, that you would show us in our day-to-day lives what following you looks like. I pray that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray that we would hear the Spirit's promptings and that we would follow. Yeah, Lord, thank you for what you've done for us.